And before I go back to my series in John, in uh, next week, I think, probably, I just wanted to do one last theme-type message. <clears throat> so I'll be jumping around the Bible a bit today. And I'll also be breaking one of my cardinal rules of preaching. And my cardinal rule, one of them, is um, don't use pictures. <clears throat> because I remember when PowerPoint came out and I was in high school, and the teachers started speaking and showing pictures, and I, my brain couldn't handle listening and looking. So when I became a preacher, I thought, I'm never going to do that. But I'm going to, because not everybody's brain works like mine, if you hadn't worked that bit out. And, um, <clears throat> and some people find it helpful, and it actually is quite handy for something in a bit that I want to show you. <clears throat> I want to make a case this morning and try to persuade you although I can't really, <clears throat> to follow Jesus. Need God's help for that. And um, if you're already following him, to follow him more fervently. <clears throat> Excuse me, in the new year. <clears throat> and to maybe show you that you were made to follow someone. And that you'll be much better off if you actively choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ this year. Might be better off, but your life also might get harder. <clears throat> so I, I'm going to frame it with a question as the new year is underway. Um, who will you follow this year? <clears throat> or where do you want to go? And how will you arrive there? And what happens when you do finally get to where you want to go? Or I could ask it another way. What are the main influences in your life this year upon your behavior and thoughts or desires and dreams? What are you longing for? And will you get there? In my time off, I read loads of, um, and watched and listened to loads of atheist literature. Those are the people that think there's no God. <clears throat> and um, I like to keep up to date, because I want to follow truth. And one of the areas that atheism as a worldview struggles with is like, why do we have this higher narrative about us? Why do we long for things, and where does it all really come from? The fact that we're just more than biological mass. Like, where is that from? Because the fact is, as you listen this morning, you're quite spiritual and deep, aren't you? And you have longings, and you have desires, and you're aware that you have meaning, which is an extra depth that you otherwise wouldn't have. If you were just mass and clumps of stuff. And you've got ordered minds, and you're ordering to plan something this year. And if everything really is from chaos, you can't have an ordered mind. And it really stumps the worldview without God. Why are there minds from mindless matter? And that's part of my case this morning as your journey into 2024 unfolds. Who are you following and where will it lead you? Because you know you're not just meat, bones, and protoplasm glued together. You have wonders and longings, and you have genuine experiences. I'm now going to share my first set of Bible verses, which at first may not be clear why I'm doing it, but stick with me. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it opens like this. In the beginning was the Word, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through this Word, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that's been made. And in Him, this Word, was life. And that life was light to all of mankind. So here, the Christian faith presents us with a person who is God, and he is called logic, or divine order. And that, that person made you, as you sit in front of me. And if John is accurate, and this logical person does exist, and he's caused you, and you are really made in this divine person's image, then we have a model for why sitting before me this year, we have people more than biology, but people who have dreams and hopes and logical aspirations and desires as the new year unfolds. And they're legitimate, because I keep reading atheist literature, which says, you're from nothing, you're going nowhere, so have meaning in the middle, but it's all made up. But it helps you before you go back to absolute nothingness. And you get fobbed off by these writers that anything that you are hoping to have, ah, oh, it's lovely, but it's all made up. There's no real, true, higher narrative to anything you're going to do this year before you listlessly drift back into oblivion. Now, just hold all those thoughts for a moment, because I'm going to remind you of my case. My case is to make you realize that you're planning things this year, and that it's legitimate, and you're full of profundity and wonder, higher than mere biology, and your experiences will not just be nothing. Now I'm going to step sideways in my case, and I'm going to lose some of you. But don't worry, I'm then going to step back into the main thrust. Pay attention as I possibly lose you. There's a Greek word that I want to explain to you. It's an ancient Greek word, and the word is symbolon, or symbolos. And in English, it's translated as symbol. The meaning is largely lost in translation, but here's what symbol means before I explain why it matters. A symbol is when two things come together and form one thing. So sometimes a stream meets another stream to form one. It's not when that stream replaces that stream, it's when they mingle together into one. When two things combine, you have a symbol. And a symbol, pay attention, is when raw fact and meaning meet each other, and you have a symbol. The true meaning doesn't replace the raw fact. They come together as one. The low and the high, they meet, and you have a symbol. Now, for example, I just drank some water, and in my time off, I read a secular scientist who says, never forget when you drink water, all you are doing is drinking H2O and nothing more. 
It was a barrel of laughs, that book. <laughs> then I read lots of other clever people who said against that secular scientists, that is not true, and nobody believes that. There's far more to drinking a glass of water than just drinking H2O. There's experience behind it. This is a symbol of something. There's meaning. So what led up to you having that drink of water? And what happened after it? And why were you thirsty? And was it a cold drink? And was it refreshing? And was it wet? Or was it hot? It's all mixed into, it's just H2O. We can't be like that scientist, just peeling all meaning away back to the raw fact. Because why? It kills us as human beings. We can't do it even if we try. And it's certainly not the way the divine Logos, whose name is Jesus, talked about trees, wind, mountains, water, or human beings made in His image. Remember though, the meaning doesn't replace the fact of the H2O, nor does the H2O replace the meaning. It's where the two rivers meet as a true symbol, which doesn't get fobbed off just because there's H2O involved. For example, if I give Rita a rose, I'm not just regular experience. I'm not just handing her a bundle of photosynthetic bundle biological mass. It's Valentine's Day, and it's got meaning. I'm trying to get off the hook for doing something wrong, aren't I? That's why we do it. There's meaning. And by the way, it gets deep, but I'll spare you all the pages of notes I made on the intricacies of symbolism. But listen to this. It affects why you listen to what you listen to. So, if you ask somebody, tell me about your day, and they waffle on for 20 minutes, there will be times where you switch off, but there will be times where you switch on, and the moments where you switch on is because you and the person speaking share a universal symbol, and it triggers in your life and has meaning, and there's this whole world that maybe we'll unpack on a Thursday. But for now, my point is just this. In amongst your basic scientific profile before me, as you plan your journey uh, in 2024 with all your wonderful chemical intricacies chipping away, um, you also have virtue and high narrative and symbolism and it's real and logical and it's not pretend as you bluster along in a meaningless life. And it's why nobody answers this question, what are you planning this year with just metadata or stats. You dream, you feel, you long, you love, you taste, you can do good, you sin, and it's real, and certain things grip us, and they grip us for a reason. And that's more of an indicator of John chapter 1 being true. There's something logical underpinning every human being. And now, I come to almost the main point of today's message and case. We're stepping back in. I've got a friend called Nate. He's a Christian teacher. And he taught me about a universal, unifying symbol that nobody in this room can shake off, even though you don't realize it. And he's made some helpful videos on it. And 
it explains why every human being is going to act the way they do in 2024. And not just that, there's this symbol that I'm going to talk about now, and it explains why a lot of people will miss the mark of what they could be attaining this year and what they need to be attaining in their journey this year. And it's a ubiquitous symbol. That means it's everywhere, but it's largely unnoticed by most of us, and it is the, fi the symbol of the Rukun figure. Might have said that wrong, and it wouldn't be powerful at all if there was no divine logic. Rukun figure is German. What does it mean? It's just to keep you awake. It means figure shown from the back. You've got a rucksack at home. It means backpack. You find the Rukun figure in art, and it takes a few forms, as I'm about to show. Hold on, no spoilers. As I'm about to show, and it's mainly, it can involve silhouettes, and it often involves a frame within a frame, like a window or something. Here's a few famous ones. You seen that one? Uh, that's The Wanderer Above the Sea Fog by Caspar David Friedrich, 1818. All right, let's have the next one. I got loads. Landscape from Finnmark with Sammy and Reindeer by Peter Bulk, 1850. You seen that one? All right, doing well, aren't we? Next one. Have you got that one in the house? Lots of people have. That's Woman at a Window by Caspar David Friedrich, 1822. That's the big one. All right, let's have another one. You seen that one? <laughs> Christmas Homecoming, Norman Rockwell, 1948. Incidentally, in the 1950s, Norman Rockwell added faces looking at the Rukun figure, so you can try and figure out what the Rukun figure is experiencing by looking at their faces. All right, well, if you're not into years gone by, this symbol's very prevalent today and inspires a lot of modern art. Let's have number five. They'll have seen this one. All right, now you're on board, aren't you? I thought you were more cultured, but no. Let's have the next one, my favorite. And the next one, thanks. Yeah, oh, you've seen that one. And the next one. Do you see the theme? And the next one. And the next one. <laughs> and the last one. Also, if you scan through your phone or camera reel, some of your most interesting pictures will be the Rukun figures on your phone. Or, perhaps some of your favorite wedding photos are the one where the cameraman's down there and the two are here facing that way. It's quite deep, that one. In fact, most um, wedding um, pamphlet things, they're looking away. It's like a universal thing, isn't it? And clever, let's have the Zelda, the Link one back on, shall we? And the clever media people use this in marketing. Do you know why? Because they've researched, yeah, that's the one. They've researched what grips human beings. Because humans aren't just biological mass, they soar. 
And by the way, if you've got friends that think Christianity is irrelevant to them, they've probably got one of these hanging on their walls. And you could ask them, why? Why do you like that one? Because it's spiritual. The Rukun figure is popular because it teaches us something about the human race and everybody sitting before me. It's a universal symbol and narrative that we all share and tune into. And it's linked to my question, who are you following and where are you going? And the Rukum figure is relatable because you cannot see the hero's face. And he or she is ahead of us looking at something beyond what we are and outside of our present circumstances or whatever you're going to face tomorrow morning. For, uh, for your information, by the way, this took off big time in the Romantic period because the Industrial Revolution was almost too much for people. So they put people by windows in this emotional art movement longing for something higher than the smog and machinery. Because they're faceless, they're universalizing, universalizing, so it's basically everyone sitting in this room. You're sharing in the journey of the Rukun figure, hoping to arrive with them for what they see. Or, if you're daring, some of you this year will get fed up of being a follower and you'll actually have a go at being a hero of your own narrative or story. You won't just live vicariously like by looking at them, you'll actually live vicariously as them and you're going to valiantly carve your own destiny this year, <clears throat> battling away. Some of us get sick of following and have had a go at that. So they stand in for us as a representative of where we want to go, like a federal head, a faceless person who speaks for us and acts for us, and we follow because we want what they have or where they're going. One of a big one is this one. One small step for man, one giant leap for Mankind, the great federal head, bouncing on the moon. Or was it a television studio in Hollywood? <laughs> they stand in for us. And this year, everyone in this room and listening at home will be united with this. We're, we're longing to leap somewhere. You will be following someone or heading somewhere or following something. But, as we're getting close to Psalm 23, for most of us, it's always just around the corner, and we look at the art on our wall for a while, and then come crashing back down to planet Earth. My favorite is this one. That's, um, he's called Link. You can become Link on the Nintendo, so I play this with my boys, and um, what we do is, uh, we become Link, 
We become here, we're not following him anymore, and the camera stays behind him, but you're actually him, and if you turn left, he turns left, and you get some swords, and you tackle all the evil in the world, and you conquer the day, and you fight goblins and nasties. But then do you know what happens? We have to press the off button and enter the real world. And now, we've got anxiety and sin. It's dark out there, and it's dark in here, So our song isn't, I'm the hero, it's I need a hero. And I'm speaking to people this morning who ask this question as the new year dawns. Is there life to be had, or is it just a battle? Is there satisfaction? I'm looking. I'm losing my battles. I am too weak for my demons. So my last part of this case is to really appeal to those people who are deep and spiritual and longing and are following, but you haven't quite found a worthy Rukun figure to deliver, and you're asking, is anyone worthy to bring me the heavenly life that I'm searching for? And in the Christian faith, we meet one. One figure who stands out, and today, two billion people will gather to follow him. One who said in Mark chapter 1, come, follow me, and at once they left their nets behind and followed. He says in John chapter 12, if any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. And if any man serves and follows me, my Father will honor him. But let's perhaps peer into the most famous Rukun figure piece of art in world history that every human resonates with, and that's why it's so popular. It's Psalm 23. Just listen to these opening verses again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. The central symbol of our faith as Christians is one of sheep who follow, but not an aimless following. They follow a good shepherd. And just notice the wonderful character of this great shepherd, which sets him apart from all other Rukun figures. When we fall and we will and probably have a million times already in 2024, this Rukun figure actually protects us from behind and picks us up in order that we can carry on following. Because verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And in 
Genesis chapter 48, Jacob calls his God the angel of the Lord, who is my great shepherd. And he says, may he look after my boys. I think my favorite rook and figure passage in the whole Bible is Exodus chapter 14, when the church is cornered and it can't breathe and everything's against them and they're going to implode and they're trapped and they've left Egypt and they're heading to the heavenly land and the Egyptians are bearing down on them and they can't breathe and it's like Monday morning for you or if you're going through something terrible and Moses preaches a sermon and he says right in the middle of it, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. And lo and behold it says, then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of them withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. My friends, you're all made to follow. You also need protection from the back. That's what Jesus does. He always has done it, and he always will. And you're all on a journey, and it's a symbol that you can't shake off, and you're longing to arrive. And I don't know who you're going to follow this year, but my big final question is this. Can they deliver it for you, your longing? Can they hand it over to you as a gift? And I close with this. A friend of ours passed away a few days ago. He was a follower of Jesus. And do you know what David, who passed away, do you know what his shepherd was peering at on the cross as we stood back behind and watched where he said to us, pause there, you can't follow me here. He was peering in to peace, peace with God and to sins forgiven and with death and death defeated and heaven itself. And David, like all Christians, watched on at Calvary as our shepherd won it all for us and opened the way and rose again and now says, follow me. And on Wednesday, David's song was, all the way my Savior has led me here. Because many heroes will come and go this year, but only Jesus Christ is the great Rukin figure because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, follow him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.